We are also going to get some picks right now for the final four. He did from Joe Tanzi. He is going all favorites, as am I. But is our next guest maybe going to take our first dog of the day for the final four? Joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Visit drglatt.com. It is Mark Drumheller at X underscore Drumheller, our sports wagering wizard here on The Gambler. Uh, Mark, I don't know if, if you know that's not good for you, but the, the dogs aren't barking right now. It's, it's just not at all. Not yet. Not yet. Not They're yet. Not barking. Listen, it's Friday. It's happy hour. There's plenty of time to get into the mood to bark. We got two games tomorrow. I might be, I'm, I might not be full dog, but I might have a little dog in. Oh man, what a tease that is! All right, so we'll do dog or pass. I'll start off with probably the easy one. Like this is definitely the easiest one: Gonzaga or UCLA. Dog or pass? Yeah, this is the pass. This is definitely the pass. Um, you know, you look at UCLA, and it's a great story. Like, everybody, like, they've won me a ton of money during the tournament. You know what I mean? But it has to end here. Uh, they're just running into a buzzsaw with Gonzaga. They're going to go as far as Juzan can take them, right? But, you know, is he going to continue to be this clutch in the biggest spot of his career against probably the best team of all time on an ankle that got re-aggravated? It's just so much pressure. UCLA is kind of streaky offensively to begin with. And now they don't have that interior presence to give Gonzaga problems. Gonzaga beats you from the inside and the outside. Um, you have to be really a complete team. I thought USC had the makeup to give Gonzaga problems, and that, that should have been mercy ruled after the first five minutes, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, they ran right through USC. Um, USC had the defense. They had the length. They had the style. You know, they still got rolled on. Um, they got out rebounded 41 to 29. Gonzaga just completely smashed them on the glass. So, you know, with Suggs and Timmy, like those guys, they're going to beat you any way they want. They're number one in scoring, number one in field goal percentage. Um, I just think UCLA is running into a buzz. So, how do you beat Gonzaga? You don't. I, I think that's where we're at right now. You don't beat Gonzaga. That's the answer. The 14, um, I'm going to lay it here. You know, they, I don't see. I don't see UCLA coming close in this one. I think they run away from them pretty easily. So Gonzaga is a 14-point favorite. Is this one that we're taking full game, or you want to take first half? Like how, how far are we taking the Gonzaga love? Because I think we all assume that they are going to win this game by a wide margin, and I feel like there are more than one ways to get involved here with Gonzaga. Which way are you doing it? Is it going to be multiple different ways? Uh, just how are you attacking betting Gonzaga? Yeah, I would co-sign Gonzaga everywhere, to be honest with you. I mean, if you want to play first half, go right ahead. I mean, I'm playing full game. I'm laying the 14. Like, I think that, you know, I'm pretty sure one team this year came within single digits, um, and that was West Virginia to Gonzaga. And, you know, I think at this point, like going into the Final Four with this team, I think they're out to make statements. I think they're out to put the stamp on the fact that they're the best college team ever um, and I think they have the talent to do it. I mean, I'm a believer. I went against them with USC. I thought that could be the team to give them problems. Um, I learned my lesson. You know, there's no Cinderella anymore. This is over. We're the final four. The best team's going to win, and I think they're going to win pretty handily. I don't think UCLA has a path to victory. I mean, they're going to have to shoot so well just to keep pace because Gonzaga's going to put so much pressure on them from the offensive end. Uh, I don't. I don't see it happening. So, I just don't see them being able to stay close here. So it might be hard to put a percentage on this because it's a little odd of a question. But uh, mm-hmm. how many USC backers from that game against Gonzaga do you think are now betting Gonzaga in this one? 
I think a lot of them. I mean, I think, you know. <laughs> like learn their cool. lesson kind of thing? <laughs> it was kind of the one chance. Like, it's almost like Tyson Spinks, right? Like, you hear all about Spinks, and, you know, he could give Tyson problems, and then, boom, 30 seconds in, it's done. And then you're like, you know what? I'm not going to bet against Mike Tyson anymore. Like, I, I learned my lesson. You know, I know what this guy's about. Um, and it's, it's kind of like the same thing. Like, there were some questions with how do you beat Gonzaga? Um, I think USC had the, the makeup, you know, as far as, you know, defense. You know, obviously, it's all going to start on the defensive end if you're going to stop a team that's complete offensively as Gonzaga. And it has to be a team that's going to be able to frustrate them defensively. And that's not UCLA. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't see any way. I, I think the people that bet against Gonzaga already have learned their lesson. I think money is going to continue to pour. And we talked about this during the week on the line change of, you know, what this number could end up at. And, you know, I think we were clearly that this would have to be, you know, a double-digit spread, even if Michigan won. And now, you know, with UCLA winning, you see it, you know, at 14, I think it's going to go even higher tomorrow. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time pushing away the Gonzaga money. Yeah, I think Gonzaga's going to win it, and I think they cover. I'm taking first half. I'm taking full game. I'm doing it all. I'm, I'm dipping my toes into as many things I can I can to bet on Gonzaga to beat UCLA. So now Dogger Pass going to Baylor and Houston. Dog or pass here? Five point spread. I'm going with the dog. I am taking the five Ooh. points with Houston. I know we disagree on this one, and I can understand why. I get it, but I just think that this team, Houston, the way they're built defensively, um, is going to be able to keep this game close. Can they win on the money line? I think they can, but you don't have to bet it. Take the five points. Don't go crazy with the money line, right? Uh, Baylor is a great team, very athletic backcourt. We know Baylor's story. Um, but this Houston team, it, it, the story keeps being, oh, well, they didn't beat anyone good in the tournament, and then they didn't beat anybody good in the regular season. But they're beating everybody. You know, first it was Syracuse. Oh, buddy, oh, he's on fire. You know, they did nothing. The zone didn't matter, right? They couldn't score any points. Then it was the Beavers. They were so hot. They were the, Every team was back in the Beavers. You know, they were going to beat Houston. Never happened. They needed a, a garbage three-pointer at the end to break 60 points. And that's the thing. I mean, you look at this defense. You know, some of the common opponents with Baylor. Houston held Texas Tech under 40% shooting. Um, they're your 2,000 Ravens. I know I made this analogy with you before, but they're no offense, all defense. You roll out there and you're going to say, well, how can they win giving up that much, you know, little offensively? And that's the deal with this team. Nobody gets the 65 points. You know, they're holding teams in the 50s. Syracuse had 46 points. You know, people think this is just going to be a party for Baylor. I don't see it. I mean, you know, Houston gets 40% of the offensive rebounds. They're a great offensive rebounding team. Baylor as well does get offensive rebounds, so I think it's going to be a game of second-chance opportunities. But I just think as this game goes on, I think Houston can frustrate Baylor. I think they can wear them down, and I think they can keep this game close. I think they are live as a dog here on the money line, but I'm going to take the five points. Um, I have the Houston ticket in my pocket you know, plus 2,500, so I'm happy with that. I don't need to go in the money line. But if you look at Baylor and, and, you know, how they played this season, not a lot of close games. Didn't have to deal with a lot of adversity. You look at Houston, those close games continuing to pull them out, tight situations. If we get in that situation with Baylor, I'm going to take Kelvin Sampson. I'm going to take the better coach who had five days for prepare, and I'm going to take the team that's shown that they have the mental toughness to overcome adversity, and that's Houston. Mark Drumheller joining us right now on the Dr. Glatt Regray hairline. Follow him at X underscore Drumheller. My thing with Houston, though, I don't know if they can score enough points. 
Uh, do mm-hmm. do you think they can? Like what what offensively do you think they they are able to do against Baylor? Because I think they have to score over seventy. So if you think they can cover it, keep it close, it's probably going to be around that number that they get. Uh, is there anything offensively you see from Houston that they can keep it close and be in this game with Baylor? Yeah, I agree with you. If they have to score in the seventies, they're probably going to lose. Right, I, I don't think they're going to put up 75 in this matchup, but I think that they can shut Baylor down. As good as Baylor is, I think they have the defense to do it, and I think that's probably where we disagree. Um, but if it does get into that range, if we're playing into the 70s um, and we're in regulation, it's going to be hard. I mean, Houston, listen, they chuck up a ton of threes. They get offensive rebounds. Um, they're going to have to shoot well you know, to win this game, obviously. But if it gets into like a, a high-scoring game, um, it's not going to be their game. But, you know, one of the key things is Baylor, you know, 273rd in the nation and allowing offensive rebounds. That's what Houston does best. They do those little things, uh, you know, that win you games in tight situations. And Baylor hasn't been in a lot of tight situations this year. So um, I think that they have a chance. I, I think the defense can win at this point in the tournament. I know Dave Baylor is the prettier team. You know, they, they, they have the better offense. They have the athletic backcourt. But, Houston's ugly, but I think I'm going to take the ugly dog here, and I think they're going to get it done. Yeah, that is an ugly dog. I don't like that. I, I'm I'm going to stick with Baylor. Out. I'm going with the favorites. I'm going with the favorites. How about that? And we already have, I mean, this is crazy. We already have opening lines for the national championship. So let's just say it's Baylor-Gonzaga. Gonzaga currently six-point favorite for Monday. Uh, what do you make of that yeah, that early line? I was going to say seven off the top of my head. I didn't look at it, um, but it's. It's a lot. A lot's going to depend on what I see tomorrow, obviously. But off the top, I would probably go Gonzaga. I mean, I think you know, I, I think that Gonzaga has the ability. Like, if if Baylor can't get rebounds against Gonzaga, you know, are they going to be able to win? And that's really you know what it comes down to. And that's my concern with Baylor is is when they play these teams like Houston and like Gonzaga, are they going to be able to get enough rebounds? Are they going to be able to get enough second chance opportunities? Because if they don't, then they have to rely poorly, purely on their shooting. And um, we we know in the tournament that, you know, the shooting can go on, the shooting can go off. So if it goes off, you better have a plan B. So one one thing that you sent me as well, we, you know, talk a little bit what things are going to go over, and we were going to do dog or pass and go over the games, but then you sent me NFL draft props to look at. So I'll hand it over to you here. What NFL draft props do you want to go over uh, for the NFL draft? Yeah, I love it. It's it's NFL draft season. It is April. It is hearsay season, right? You're seeing all the whispers out on the internet. Every everybody, no one knows who San Francisco is going to pick. All that good stuff. But I found two props early that I think there's a ton of value. And the first one is the first non-quarterback off the board, right? The whole story in the NFL with the draft is the quarterbacks. Are quarterbacks going to go one through four? You know, how many quarterbacks are going to go in the top ten? It's all about the quarterbacks. We know QBs are going one through three. So Atlanta at number four really is the linchpin to the whole draft, right? They're the ones that it all comes down to. Where they going to go quarterback? People don't know. You can get Patrick Sertain right now, the cornerback, at plus 2,000, which is incredible value um, when you look at the fact that that is the position that Atlanta needs the most, right? Like they need the most help at cornerback, right? Now you can hedge it with – the offensive tackle from Oregon at plus 200. So that way, if you take them both, if you hedge it with the offensive tackle, now you have the tackle and the cornerback coming off the board first. If the 
it, you know, if the cornerback goes off the board first, you're going to make a ton of money. If the tackle comes off, you're going to break even because you're playing two players, right? But getting back to how this draft could unfold, Atlanta had the worst pass defense in the world. I mean, almost in history last year, they couldn't stop anyone. They lost every lead that they have. There's a lot of rumors about them taking quarterback. They could do that, but then that only helps us in this situation. Um, or, you know, they, they're saying they could take Kyle Pitts. I don't see any way that they take an offensive player as bad as their defense was. They spent all last year at the draft ringing everybody's phone, trying to get in the top ten to get a top cornerback. They were unsuccessful. They ended up staying at their spot and ended up reaching for Terrell in the draft. He was so-so. They still need help at the corner. I don't see how they let a guy like Sertan get away. Um, I think that it's very possible that they could take him at four. And if they don't, if somebody could trade up into there and maybe take the offensive tackle, you're still protected by hedging at a plus 200. So you have Sewell at plus 200. You have Sertan at plus 2,000 which the certain thing is incredible value to me, assuming that that is really the position and need of the team picking fourth. Um, and, you know, and I, I think that's really the best shot. The only way it goes sideways is if a team like Cincinnati takes a wide receiver, which with Joe Burrow, I don't know how they don't go offensive line. So um, I think it's, it's very possible that you see certain or uh, Sewell go off the board, you know, first. So I think there's good value with that props or team plus 2000, Sewell plus 200. So I want to go over a couple of uh, specific position group props here. First wide receiver mm-hmm. off the board, we'll start with first. Who do you think will be the first wide receiver off the board? And uh, what are the odds for it? Yeah, well, the odds are what caught my eye on this one, right? So Devonta Smith is plus 500, which I think is amazing odds because we know it's going to be Miami that's going to take the first wide receiver because. It's, it's the position of need that they need, and they wouldn't have made all these trades to move up and then to move back in if they weren't confident that they could get their guy, right? Now, anything could happen. Someone could trade into four and kind of mix things up, obviously, but then being a six, there's a prime position to take first wide receiver. And you look at the odds. Jamar Chase lined at minus 400 to be the first wide receiver off the board, and then there's a big gap between him and Smith. Smith's at plus 500. So you look at Chase. He hasn't played last year, right? And Smith has ties to Tua. Miami's sole reason for making this draft pick is to help the development of Tua. That, that's the whole reason they're getting a wide receiver here. Their wide receivers last year were last in the NFL in gaining separation. Tua was throwing in the tighter windows than anybody else. So let's look at these two receivers and how they fit into that, right? Well, Chase, you look at him, his physical skills, goes up and gets the ball, strong hands, contested catches, right? Not separation. You look at Smith, route running, separation. That's what he does, right? Fluid. You know, people are comparing on to Marvin Harrison. He's the guy that's going to give them separation out there more than a guy like Chase will, and he'll help to him more. So you're looking at him at plus 500. If they take Smith over Chase, to me, it's more of a coin flip. Plus 500 is applied probability is 16%. So you're telling me there's only a 16% chance that Miami is going to take Devonta Smith, who, oh, by the way, went to Alabama with Tua, um, you know, over, you know, and, 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 and pass him up for, you know, Chase? Uh, I don't think so. Like, I'm not real sure. So I think that the odds are way too wide here at minus 400 for Jamar Chase and plus 500 for Devonta Smith. Uh, so I think there's a lot of value on Smith here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami ended up taking him at six. He's the first wide receiver off the board, and you're just getting incredible odds here. I think the value is great at plus 500. Now, I don't know what the value is for this or if there's any odds for it at all, but I want to go to the quarterback position because 
Uh, Justin Fields and Mac Jones have been talked about a lot for that third pick. Because San Francisco moved up. They obviously did it for a reason. We're assuming, we obviously know Trevor Lawrence is one. We're assuming Zach Wilson goes two. But who goes three? If there's any odds for it, let me know. But even if there's not, who do you think does go three? So when I do bet it, I know which one to bet. I'm still leaning Justin Fields, and that's now kind of the vibe I'm getting from San Francisco and the reports I'm hearing from San Francisco. But who do you think, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, or the Dark Horse and Trey Lance? Yeah, I don't understand the Mac Jones um, I don't either. talk. Like, I really don't. Like, I understand they went to his pro day, and they're like, oh, well, they haven't really paid Fields much attention, and maybe that's why. Like, that sounds to me like, hey, you know what, if you're moving up to three and you can still have somebody leapfrog you for your guy at two or someone take your guy at two, you know, maybe you don't want to announce to the world who you're drafting, right? And I think San Francisco has done a tremendous job of that. I've heard people talk about Trey Lance, which I think is a real um, – chance as well the Trey Lance will go um third to San Francisco so it could be any of them when you look at the lines I think that Mac Jones has the shortest odds he's like the betting favorite and then it's Justin Fields and then Trey Lance obviously is a little longer I want to say they're like Fields is right around 275 or something off the top of my head but I don't know it but yeah I, I really think like if I had to guess at this point um I would probably say Fields but I do think that there, it's a real possibility it could be Trey Lance because what does Kyle Shanahan do the best, right? He gets the most out of his quarterbacks. He gets the most out of Matt Ryan. He gets the most out of Jimmy Garoppolo, right? So if he takes a guy like Trey Lance, you know he's going to get the most out of him, and that's kind of the knock on him. is He hasn't played the competition. He's raw. You know, is, you know he needs to go in a situation to where he can really be developed you know, with his potential. And I think Kyle Shanahan probably has the confidence that he could do that, right? So um, I think it's either Field or Lance. I don't think Mac Jones is a play at all. I think that this is, you know, smoke from either his agent or somebody's got, you know, somebody already bet the Mac Jones prop out there and they're friends with Dan Arlovsky or I don't know what the deal is but um, with the Mac Jones hype, but I think it's either Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And I'm actually leaning towards Lance. Like if I were to bet it, I would probably bet it because you're going to get a much better number with Lance. Wow. Trey Lance, you think, ends up uh, possibly becoming the third overall pick in the draft. Uh, the, the thing I is, do, like, I love. I, I like, think he's I talented, but. Field, yeah, I do too. But I, And Trey Lance has the talent. I just. There's there's nothing on him. Like, there, there's not even tape. There's some, but not, not really as much as you would like to see, especially because the tape that we did see, there's just not much even of it during that season. So it's just. It's really hard mm-hmm. to gauge. Uh, what the interest would be in him, right? It's just, it's really hard to gauge that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, Fields is definitely the safer pick, and Fields is a stud. Like, I like Fields better than Wilson. Like, I think Giants are making a huge mistake. I mean, the Jets are making a huge mistake. I do too. To go and Zach Wilson. I think that should be Justin Fields easy. Um, that should not be a conversation. But I do think that only because it's Shanahan and it's a guy that, hey, listen, like, if it was Atlanta picking there, I'd be like, oh, they're going to take Fields. You know what I mean? But, this is a guy who Shanahan, who probably believes that he can develop, you know, it, it, Trey Lance into his fullest potential, into the best version of Trey Lance, and, and Trey Lance has that raw tools. He has the athletic ability. He can make plays off platform, right? And you know, Justin Fields can do all that stuff too, right? But um, I think that you know, San Francisco is in great position. Um, you know, I was talking to Sean. You know, we were on you know probably a month ago before the trade, and I was saying that the. 49ers are one of the teams I was targeting before the trade in the futures market. 
um, in order to, you know, as a, a possible Super Bowl winner, just because they're getting all that defense back. And now you add on the fact that they could have, you know, a, an upgrade at the quarterback position as well. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be tough. The Niners are going to be tough. That NFC West is going to be a lot of fun this year. Yes, it will be. And before I let you go, Mark, before we head into the weekend, you know, I got to get one more thing from you. So give me at least one or two if you have them. But FCS picks, any for this weekend that you have? Yes, yes, I do. I have a couple in the holster. Ran into a little, a lot of games got canceled. Delaware, my Blue Hens, who are eighth in the FCS right now, their game got canceled with COVID. I was on them. Um, and the North Dakota State, South Dakota State, which is a huge matchup, that ended up getting canceled as well. So that's been unfortunate. But I am on Nickel State laying 13 and a half against McNeese State. Um, McNeese State stinks, to be honest with you. They're <laughs> probably the worst two and three team I've ever seen. I've bet against them a couple times. They continue to make me money every time. Um, if you look at the common opponents, right, McNeese State lost to Incarnate Word 48 to 20. Who? Um, Nickel Incarnate Word, 48 to 20. Nickel, Nickel State tattooed them 75 to 45, right? So, um, you know, McNeese State lost to Lamar, and Nickel State steamrolled them 55 to nothing. So there's just a huge gap between these two teams, and I'm not sure why this is lined at only 13 and a half. This, this line should be in the 20s. Um, Nickel State is a team that is competing for the at-large bid. They're not going to win the Southland Conference, so they have to win with style points. They have to run it up. And like I said, you know, last game they put up 75 points. So, you know, with a team that has the ability and the offensive firepower to put up 75, laying 13 and a half against a bad team is not a bad proposition. So I'm all over Nickel State here. I love it. Sounds like a, a few more good picks for over the weekend. Mark, enjoy your weekend. Good luck this weekend. And uh, I hope Houston doesn't cover. Sorry about that, but I don't want them to cover. But thanks for joining me. <laughs> Sounds yeah, good. Have a good one, John. At X underscore you can follow him. Yeah, what a good way to go into the weekend with not only Final Four picks, we just got a few, I mean, really? A few NFL draft props? Oh, and also FCS. Can't forget about that with Mark Drumheller.